0: Wieder auf einen Weltstar, meine Damen und Herren. Diesmal auf den König der Country Music aus den USA. Aber ich glaube, diese Ansage sollte man Englisch machen, ja? Ladies and Gentlemen, a name like a flash: Johnny Cash.
1: From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxai. And this is Resound.
2: We're awful glad to be with you this week. A great show lined up for you. One of the prettiest, sangin'est, songwritin'est little blondes in country music coming up right now.
1: ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and assorted audio ditties we lasso from all over the world. Sound mechanics and audio producers are forging beautiful work everywhere. For the airwaves, the internet, or just for fun. We listen to it, feast on it, and then wrangle in the best of what we hear each week for you on ReSound.
3: There are a lot of ways to define country music, but
1: I can do it in just two words. Ladies and gentlemen, George Jones! People who love country music really love it, and the people who don't, don't. But even if the Texas two-step isn't your thing and shirts with fringe make you cringe, you've got to love the song titles. I gave her the ring and she gave me the finger. I liked you better before I knew you so well. I'm so miserable without you. It's like having you here. And my personal favorite, Did I shave my legs for this?
3: As
4: I head for the door, I turn around to be sure Did I shave my legs for this?
1: Every country song tells a story and has a story behind it. Today on Resound, Country Western, from Woody Guthrie to George Jones, from Abilene, Texas to Abilene, Kansas, to literally Outer Mongolia. Stay tuned. He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones is one of country music's most famous tunes. It was chosen as the Country Music Association's Song of the Year two years in a row. Now it's been included in the National Recording Registry which is the Library of Congress's program to preserve key moments in recording history for all time. But this iconic tune barely made it to the recording studio. Here's the story of the song that almost wasn't. My name is Hazel Smith. Country music has been my life
5: all my life. I do a column called... Hot Dish for CMT.com, and this is my 15th year of reporting country music news to WFMS in Indianapolis. Well, my name is George
6: Jones, and I've been in country music now for many years, ever since about 1956.
2: My name is Bobby Braddock, and I write songs. I guess some of the songs I've written that country music fans would be familiar with would be. Time Marches On, Tracy Lawrence, and then Tammy Winnett's D-I-V-O-R-C-E.
4: Our D-I-V-O-R-C-E Becomes final today
5: You know, you got a man like Bobby Braddock who wrote I don't know how many hits for George Jones. Golden Rings and uh, a lot of songs. Now, those were duets with George and Tammy. You know that, don't you? In a pawn shop in Chicago On a sunny summer day. Bobby wrote songs that suited George. The possum can sing. She smiles and nods her head as he says, Honey, that's for you. It's not much,
7: but it's the best that I can do.
6: When I start singing, I try to live that story and uh, put every bit of heart and soul that I had uh, to offer in the songs. And that's the way I've always felt about recording. Uh, You know when a a song is pretty good, because if it hits you and just blows smoke everywhere, you you know it's got something pretty powerful there. He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. As the years went slowly by She still preyed upon his mind
2: The plot line of He Stopped Loving Her Today, which I wrote with Curly Putman, is this, this guy split up with the love of his life what and he just never moved on and, and he stopped loving her today because he died today, simply put.
6: But he still loved her through it all
2: He never found out anything about the art of letting go.
6: Hoping she'd come
5: back again.
2: The guy was a bad role model.
5: (laughs) George thought it was the saddest song he ever heard and wouldn't nobody listen to it.
6: I kept arguing with my uh, producer. I said Billy Sherrill was my producer at that time. And I I said, Billy, it's, it's a beautiful song.
2: It's just too sad. Billy Sherrill got a lot of criticism in those days for his production being too slick.
6: He knew I wasn't much of of uh, horns and, and strings and things like that, but strings are beautiful, uh, I found out. <laughs>
5: I can tell you right now, the production of He Stop Loving Her Today did not hurt that song at all. As a matter of fact, if you listen at it, you start to cry.
2: My favorite part of the record is the ascending string section. It sounds like the guy has died and is, is on his way to heaven.
5: He stopped
8: loving her today they placed A placed to reap upon his door
6: And soon they'll carry him away He stopped loving her Instead of singing it, a Billy Sherald thought it would be good just to uh, do the recitation. You know, she came to see him one last time. You know, it still
5: oh, is the I ultimate
6: song. I love you song, you know. When
5: George sings the song, the entire audience stands yeah, to their, their feet. They feel like they're in church, do you understand? This time, he's over her for good. He stopped loving her today. Country music is the one thing on this planet that is truth. And this song, He Stopped Loving Her Today, every word is truth. There's no make believe in it. It's something that surely to God it happens sometime. He stopped loving her
4: today.
1: He Stopped Loving Her Today was produced by Ben Manilla and Devin Strolovich for Studio 360 from WNYC in New York. To find a link to more stories from Studio 360 about the National Recording Registry entrance, visit thirdcoastfestival.org.
7: And by Woody
1: from country Western music is essentially a mishmash. It grew out of a confluence of immigrants, instruments, and musical traditions that all came together in the South. In the 1920s, the Irish fiddle, the German dulcimer, the Italian mandolin, the Spanish guitar, and the West African banjo all contributed their voices to what we now call country Around the same time, Woody Guthrie was growing up in Okemah, Oklahoma. He was born into a musical family that suffered a series of tragedies that sent Guthrie on the road. The rest, as they say, is history. In March of 1940, a young Woody Guthrie sat with folklorist Alan Lomax at the U.S. Department of the Interior Studios for a series of interviews for the Library of Congress archives. They offer a rare glimpse of Guthrie's early musical style and a frank account of his harrowing past.
9: Woody, how long was it ago that you were born in Okima?
10: 28 years, you pretty near guessed it. I was born there in July the 14th, 1912. How did you people live out there in Oklahoma? Did you live pretty well? I don't know, Alan. Uh, to start with, I wasn't in the class that John Steinbeck called the Okies because my dad. Uh, to start with was worth about 35 or 40 thousand dollars and he had everything hunky dory then he started having a little bad luck in fact our whole family had a little bit of it i don't know whether it's worth talking about or not i never do talk it much my uh 14 year old sister either set herself afire or caught a fire accidentally there's two different stories got out about it anyway she was having a little difficulty with her school work and she had to stay home and do some work, and she caught a fire while she was doing some ironing that afternoon on the old kerosene stove. It was highly unsafe and highly uncertain in them days, and this one blowed up. Caught her a fire, and she run around the house about twice before anybody could catch her. The next day, she died. <clears throat> and my mother, that was a little bit too much for her uh, nerves or something, I don't know exactly how it was, but anyway, my mother died in the insane asylum at Norman, Oklahoma. Then uh, about that same time, my father mysteriously, for some reason or other, caught a fire. There's a lot of people say that he set himself fire. Others say that he caught a fire accidentally. I always will think that he'd done it on purpose because he'd lost all his money. All my brothers and sisters, all these things happened, and they found themselves scattered. All us kids had to scatter out and be adopted by different families. I lived with a family of people. There was 11 of us. Lived in a little two-room shack. We had two or three beds, you know, and so we'd sleep, some of us at the head and some of us at the foot, and had everybody's feet and everybody's faces. You know how that is. And uh, then after that, I don't know, I kind of took to the road. I hit the road one day, the first day that I ever hit the highway, to be what's called a rambling man or a hobo or a tramp was in 1927. How old were you then? At that time, I was about 17 years old. <laughs> so I went to Galveston, Texas old figs and all them orchards down in that country and helped drill water wells and irrigated strawberries and helped a carpenter down there to tear down a whole bunch of houses and I was that time I was about 18. Oh well Woody did you begin to sing about this time or how did that happen? Well then I went back up into the panhandle of Texas the big wheat belt up around Amarillo, Texas north of Amarillo, Texas in the when I got out into that country, the I got a job about the third day I was there. I got a job with a feller that was, uh, he owned a root beer stand, supposedly. And he said he'd give me $3 a day to stand behind the counter and sell people root beer. So I told him I had intelligence enough to do that, so I got around behind the counter. And, and uh, he told me, he said, now in addition to this root beer, he said, here's some... Uh, bottles here of another description. He says uh, if anybody comes up and lays a dollar and a half on the uh, counter here, why you reach down and gently and firmly uh, let them have one of these your bottles. One day my curiosity got the best of me and I just got to wondering what the devil is in them bottles. So I opened up one and tasted of it and it was uh, nothing in the world but just unadulterated uh, corn whiskey. So we was a wheeling and a dealing there in the whiskey business for a long time. This guy had a guitar that laid around there, and I, a lot of times there wouldn't be any customers in the place. I'd grab up this guitar and got to pecking around on it. I thought it sounded awful pretty. And learned little old chord, just how to barely chord long, and finally learned a few little old songs, and then I don't know, I just kind of drifted into it. I never did own a guitar, though. What were some of the first songs you began to sing out there in Panhandle, Woody? Here's an old song here that they sang back down in that country. Almost everybody knows it. The name of this one here is Greenback Dollar. I don't want your green bag dollar I don't want your silver change All I want is your love darling Won't you take me back again In this part of Texas where I was working in this whiskey store some of the worst dust storms in the history of the whole world, I guess, broke loose. Here's a picture here, Alan. I'd like for you to look at that. That there is the little town of Pampa, Texas. That's where my wife and three children are living right now. And I hear about them from them about twice a week. Well, what uh, what happened the night that first dust storm hit? Do you remember just exactly what you people did and what you said? Well, now you see this picture here. It shows you the big dust storm coming up. And, uh, you know, just to see a thing of that kind coming towards you, you wouldn't know exactly what it was, because it's a freak-looking thing. You never saw anything like it before. But we all sat there. We had seen dust storms of every other different color, flavor, description, style, fashion, shade, design, model. Anyway, I remember the particular evening of April the 14th, 1935, that this dust storm here blowed up. I was standing, a whole bunch of us was standing, just outside of this little town here that you see. And so we watched the dust storm come up like the Red Sea closing in on the Israel children. Anyway, we stood there and watched the son of a gun come up. And I'm telling you, it got so black when that thing hit, we all run into the house. And all the neighbors had all congregated in different houses around over the neighborhood. We sat there in a little old room, and it got so dark that you couldn't see your hand before your face. You couldn't see anybody in the room. You could turn on an electric light bulb, a good, strong electric light bulb in a little room. And that electric light bulb hanging in the room looked just about like a cigarette a burning. And that was all the light that you could get out of it. So we got to talking, you know. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people in the crowd that was religious-minded, and they was up pretty well on the scriptures and they said well boys girls friends and relatives this is the end this is the end of the world and everybody said well so long it's been good to know you i made a little song there I, that's kind of one of my own making though it's uh, called so long it's been good to know you So long, it's been good to know you. So long, been good to know you. So long, it's been good to know you. This dusty old dust is a-blowing me home. I've got to be rolling along. sing it again of the place that I lived on the West Texas plains in the city of Pampa, the county of Gray here's what all of the people there say well it's so long it's been good to know you so long it's been good to know you so long it's been good to know you, this dusty old Dust isn't blowing me home. I've got to be drifting along. The church houses were jammed and packed, people was setting. From front to the back. It was so dusty, the preacher couldn't read his text. So he folded his specs and he took up collections. Said, So long it's been good to know you. So long, been good to know you. So long it's been good to know you. This dusty old dust isn't rolling me home. Gotta be drifting along very much, Mr. Guthrie. Thank um, you, the, Mr. Lomax. This for your- record
11: was made on uh, March the 21st, 1940. Alan Lomax speaking.
1: The story, Woody Guthrie, was produced by Stacey Abramson with Megan Howell and David Isay for Sound Portraits Productions. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxey. You don't have to be Woody Guthrie to tell a good story tell us yours questions comments rants and raves can be sent to resound at thirdcoastfestival.org if you're hearing my voice at this very moment then you dear listener are exactly who we want to invite to our next party Come watch as we dissect an episode of our show, how we choose the pieces, find the music, spar over the script, and put it all together. Join me, Gwen Maxei, and ReSound producer Katie Mingle at The Hideout on Tuesday, April 9th at 7 p.m. to see just how the sausage, or seitan, is made. And speaking of sausage, we'll have food trucks there for your dining pleasure. Sights, sounds, smells, tastes... Join us April 9th for a Resound Redux at the Hideout. For more information, go to thirdcoastfestival.org.
4: You want to talk about Texas? Yep. And I want to talk about love.
0: I want to talk about a buckaroo.
4: I want to talk about a love that's true.
0: I want to talk about a longhorn steer.
4: I want to talk about a kiss right here.
0: I want to talk about the big bar X.
4: And I keep saying I love you, Tex. You You want to talk talk about about what you want to talk about. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. about. You want to talk about Texas? Yep. And I want to talk about
1: love. Now, you know that in country western music, there are an awful lot of songs about love. And about heartbreak, and of course, revenge. But there are also a surprising number of songs about. Abilene. And I don't mean Kansas. Our next story is from producer Sherry DeLees, our friend who lives in Australia, but it turns out she has roots in. Guess where? You've
3: heard the story of other towns, now let me tell you mine key city of West Texas where the living's mighty fine
7: Growing fast and going great, a city of renown Abilene, Abilene, oh, that's my hometown Abilene, Abilene, oh, that's my hometown
3: Well, not exactly my hometown, but my family's been in Texas since the 1850s when the first of us followed the frontier trail out west. The first of my relatives to live in the Abilene surrounds lived in a dugout, you know, a hole in the ground with timbers over it. And there were dust storms, violent encounters and all manner of hardships to survive, with a bit of luck. But that same harsh Texas landscape and the colourful tales it's supported over the years has inspired songwriters the world over to write thousands of songs which reference Texas, including at least 60 with Abilene in the lyrics.
4: my
11: hometown. Abilene rhymes. And it rhymes with lots of different things, and that's the most important reason, at least initially, that Abilene shows up as a mention in so many songs is because it's easy to Abilene,
3: rhyme. Green, Ab- boy called Dean. We Clean. Maybelline. Serene.
0: Green. Mean. Awful mean. Dean. 18. What a
3: scene, machine. Dream,
0: kinda lean. Keen.
3: Scream. Mean, green. Green.
9: Human being.
3: That's my hometown. I wanted to know just what it is about Abilene, besides its rhymeability, that catches songwriters' imaginations. So I called up a librarian with a love of Abilene, the greatest living record collector in the town and author of the recent book, The Women There Don't Treat You Mean, Abilene in Song. Joe Specht.
11: Well, um, now we're talking about Abilene, Texas, remember? That's important.
3: Okay, what's the other town?
11: Well, Kansas.
3: And that was a, really a more famous town than Abilene, Texas in the 19th century, wasn't
11: it? Yeah, hmm You know, Abilene, Texas named itself after Abilene, Kansas, hoping that it would have the same success story that Abilene, Kansas did as a railhead. Oh.
3: They used to drive the cattle from Abilene, Texas, well, from all parts of Texas, up to the railhead in Kansas, at Abilene, Kansas, and then off by train, the cattle would go off to the east coast. Right. And that's why Abilene, Kansas was so important.
11: Yes, it was the uh, sort of the terminus of the Union Pacific or whatever railroad that was that ran east and west.
3: That was the Kansas Pacific, Joe. Mm.
11: Oh, my goodness. And so some enterprising young Texas rancher, oh, we can drive our cows to Kansas and ship them, and it would be a lot cheaper and a lot faster. And so that's how that all started. And of course, that was before Abilene, Texas even existed. This would have been the late 1870s. I believe Abilene, Kansas was started in 1857, somewhere in there, just before the Civil War.
3: Right. I think my great-grandfather was one of those cowboys driving the cattle up there.
11: So that's, you know, there was that connection from the beginning, but Abilene, Kansas, its sense in history has certainly faded.
0: with KXOX here in Abilene coming to you live from the Ponderosa ballroom. I'm standing right in front of the shiny chrome and glitter Abilene and Songs jukebox and right up till the top of the hour we'll be playing tunes by songwriters who share our love of Abilene despite the fact that most of them have never been here before. Abilene is currently hosting the Texas Travel Counselors Conference so we're taking the opportunity to toot our own horn and show the good counselors the universal appeal of the key city of West Texas. Let's kick off by putting a nickel in the jukebox for Abilene, performed by Slim Chance and the Survivors. Slim, a.k.a. Lane Frizzell, is one of our own sons who keeps busy with the oil exploration business. And you know there's a lot of oil here. In 81, the city set up a demo rig on the county fairgrounds just to illustrate how to make a hole. And by accident, it struck lucky. I think you'll agree Lane done the same with his version of the classic Abilene. Mm.
7: I sit alone most every night, watch them train, roll out of sight. Wish to the Lord they would carry me to Abilene, my Abilene. Abilene, Abilene, prettiest town that I ever seen.
3: Well, let's start with the most famous Abilene, as recorded by George Hamilton IV, and that topped the Billboard country charts in 1963. Is that
11: right? That's right. And it has an interesting history. Bob Gibson and... Lester Brown were the original co-composers, neither one of them had any idea if they were writing the song about Abilene, Texas or Abilene, Kansas.
3: But then didn't you say that one day uh, Bob Gibson had a conversion and he suddenly knew which town it was about?
11: Well, he did. Um, in 1978, Bob Gibson was invited to perform at the Kerrville Folk Festival in Kerrville, Texas. And in his autobiography, he recounts the experience of singing Abilene, the song, on stage. And he said when 5,000 Texans in the audience stood up and put their hands over their heart, he knew then that the song had to be about Abilene, Texas. Did they literally
3: put their hands over their heart?
11: You know how Texans are.
3: I <laughs> there
11: don't reach you mean in abilene
7: my abilene crowded city ain't nothing free nothing in this town for me wish to the lord that i could
3: To go back further still, you point out that Lester Brown recalled that the song was born when he and Gibson were strolling around Washington Square Park in New York City, and they ran into a fellow musician who was plunking on a banjo and mumbling something about Abilene, Abilene, prettiest girl I've ever seen.
11: The famous couplet, Abilene, Abilene, prettiest town I've ever seen, women there don't treat you mean in Abilene. That couplet was really uh, floating around in public domain for a number of years. So uh, it shows up in other songs other than just the Abilene that we're most familiar with. And again, that could have some connection to Abilene, Kansas because. You know, if you've driven cows for uh, two months from Texas all the way to Kansas and you've been eating dust and the whole bit, you're ready to relax when you get there. And so if you have a town where the women don't treat you mean, in other words, perhaps the women of the night, well, then that could have some Kansas connection, I think, to the the little couplet now.
3: Well, that makes a lot of sense because we know Abilene, Kansas, was a pretty wild place where the cowboys really, yeah, they...
8: Three or four months on a cattle drive was a long time for a bunch of young cowboys. So when they got to the end of the trail and got their pay, they were ready for a long bath, a good meal, and a whole
0: lot of fun. Charlie Daniels with Saturday Night in Abilene. Remember the one in Kansas? That's important.
8: I've been three months of eating that trail dust Sleeping out on the ground In the burning sun, in the cold, cold moon Nothing but stars around But this drive is finally over We done made it to the Kansas line I got my pay and I'm on my way And it's the cowboys feeling fine Cause tonight's the night, we're gonna have some fun The trains are loaded and the work's all done
2: burning oh here oh.
0: Cattle in the wrong direction. Let's get turned around the right way and head on back down the trail to the town that really does have the friendliest people and the prettiest women you ever seen. Next up on the Wurlitzer, the Honky Tonk Country of Mr. Ernest Tubb. In the 50s, Tubb was one of the most beloved artists in Nashville, but that didn't stop him from blending the honky tonks, including the Ponderosa Ballroom right here in Abilene. Here he is, the original scoundrel, Ernest Tubb, walking down the road of regret. girl from Abilene.
3: Ernest Tubb was one of my granddad, Archie Jeffries, heroes. What about his song, Girl from Abilene?
11: Met her in a town called Abilene. That starts off, met in a town called Abilene. Purtiest girl, girl I've ever seen. I've ever seen. If you've ever heard Mr. Tubbs sing, you can oh, just hear him singing, Purtiest girl I've ever seen.
7: Like a shiny red sports car, dress her like a movie star, and on her hand I'd put a diamond ring. Hold her back east I was a big shot Three plantations Had a great big yard She said You know I think I like you lots The lies had all been told I had no pot of gold And so I'd my hat And walked away Walking down the road of regret Thinking of the girl that I had met Wishing somehow she could share my dream But I'll stop and smile a while And I'll walk another mile. Then goodbye to this girl of Abilene. 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 Abilene.
0: We're going to put another nickel in the jukebox here for Susie Green from Abilene by Glenn Glenn, previously Glenn Trout, the Missouri mountain boy. In the mid to late 50s, Rockabilly put together honky-tonk and rock and roll. Rockabilly singer had to have a little bit of country and a little bit of boogie and the blues and that slapping bass sound. You get that, and you got Rockabilly.
3: Susie Green from where? Where, where,
11: where? Susie Green from Abilene. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Glenn Glenn who was a rockabilly star in the late
8: fifties. My blows up like
11: Have you heard of Susie Green? Susie Green. A chick from Abilene. <laughs> not too fat, not too, fat not too lean. Susie Green from Abilene. <laughs> Uh, she's as cool as winter green, got a skin like velveteen. She's the most, that's what I mean. Susie Green from Abilene.
8: That's the most, that's what I mean.
4: Susie Green from Abilene.
0: Next up is Abilene's own happy fat, performing lightning zone way out in Abilene. He's going to help us sort this Abilene thing out One fence post at a time Michael Happy Fat Gilbert He's a carefree axe slinger He's playing as a bluesy, loping mix Of Jimmy Reed and Stevie Ray Vaughan
8: You know I'm going out of West Texas I'm going to fall down behind that horizon Oh, you know I'm going out of West Texas Poor Happy gonna fall down behind that rising sun. You know that's the good Lord and the people.
2: Oh Lord, what wrong have poor Happy done?
8: Yes, I'm going out in West Texas here. You know poor Happy's always gotta stop by Abilene.
3: Another person who just never could stop waxing lyrical about the women of Abilene uh, was Lightning Hopkins.
11: Oh, Lightning, yes, he's probably my favorite Texas blues performer of all times.
3: Because he was from what folks there called the Piney Woods of East Texas, Leon County.
11: Right, that's where he grew up. He wrote uh, and recorded three songs with Abilene as a major motif, and the song that he recorded in 1948, just called Abilene, says, If you ever go out in West Texas, boy, I want you to stop by Abilene. I want you to stop by Abilene. Yes, you know it's some women there, man. They got a house all painted green. Uh, He also recorded another song called Sitting Down Thinking in 1954. And again, Abilene is still on his mind. If you ever go out in West Texas, will you please stop by Abilene? Yeah, you know there's some of the sweetest women out there that a man mostly ever seen.
3: Well, it's a big reputation that the women wear on their shoulders there in Abilene.
11: Mm-hmm. Way out in Abilene, Lightning say, Do you know poor lightning stopped by Abilene? Do you know there's some of the sweetest women's out there? Oh, Lord, a man mostly ever seen. That was in Abilene.
3: <laughs> Fabulous. And
11: Happy Fat gives his own interpretation of the Lightning Hopkins tune with a little Jimmy Reed thrown in as well. Oh, man, way out
1: in it- That was an excerpt from Abilene Jukebox, a one-hour documentary featuring Lucky Oceans as the Abilene DJ. It was produced by Sherry DeLees and Russell Stapleton for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. (laughs) ¶¶ From Abilene, Texas, you can head in almost any direction and expect to find great country music. Utah, Oklahoma, Alabama, but you probably wouldn't expect it once you go further afield, like to Mongolia. Nevertheless, in September 2005, a group of American cowboys traveled to Mongolia to share their music with the herdsmen of the Mongolian steppe. Hal Cannon, founding director of the Western Folklife Center, went along with the singing cowboys to document just how the music of these two horseback cultures would jibe.
6: It's uh, letting the uh, gods know there's a visitor.
9: After coming halfway around the world, we're hungry to smell the cooking, see the sights, and hear the voices like those of the monks of the Gondon Buddhist Monastery. It's been a long flight, we're disoriented, and the chants spin us like a prayer wheel. Though it's the middle of the afternoon, jet lag triggers a yawning epidemic in our group. As we leave the monastery, Byamba, our guide and translator, hands us seed to feed the pigeons an exercise for good karma. The next morning we all pile into four vans and bounce along past railroad yards with retired trans-Siberian locomotives replete with red Soviet stars on the grillwork. We're headed to Genghis Khan's ancient capital of Karakoram. Just outside Ulaanbaatar, the road deteriorates to a mass of potholes. Mongolian techno music on the radio seemed fitting in the blocky Soviet-style city, but now it's out of place on the endless grass steppe. I can't help wondering how American cowboy music will sit with the musical landscape of this ancient and very faraway place. Arizona cowboy and singer Gail Steiger wonders the same thing.
2: I worry about how our music is going to fit in. I mean, the kind of stuff that I do, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a good musician. I can, you know, it's kind of a purveyor of ideas, and if the language doesn't translate, you kind of think, well, what else do I have?
9: We're getting into the rhythm of the road, which has become a braid of dirt tracks. Each driver aims for the smoothest path as they race one another across the plain. After nine hours, we see what looks like mushrooms dotting the landscape. It's our first camp. Typical nomadic homes. The Mongolians call them gers, the Russians, yurts. After dinner, we're treated to a performance by a musical quartet dressed in embroidered silk robes of blue, gold, and red, with a ubiquitous Mongolian beanie with a pointy beacon on top. They play the Mongolian national instrument, the Morinhor, a two-stringed affair with a horse's head carved into the peghead. And my favorite, a reed instrument that curves around the player's neck, made from yak horns. We learn it's a song about missing a mother who's far away herding and milking her animals. And as the musicians play, their eyes hint at the melancholy of this lament. hundred years ago, Genghis Khan took troops of performers on his conquests, including musicians, dancers, and contortionists. Tonight, this troupe brings out a 14-year-old girl who wills her body into a dozen different rope tricks. And then the group breaks into a version of John Denver's Take Me Home Country Roads, complete with throat singing, by the end of the show, we are all speechless. Our American guide Linda Svenson gets up and through a translator asks the performers.
4: So would they, um, would they be interested in hearing a couple songs from uh, our uh, Cowboy performers?
9: I wonder why all the cowboys are looking at their feet. Ron Kane and his sidekick Bruce Stanger reluctantly pick up the fiddle and banjo and play a tune or two. Later, Ron called it the most faded, faded love he's ever been part of. Who knows why the Mongolians were so musical tonight and the Americans weren't. Was it embarrassment, shyness, or just being unprepared for the moment? I'm told that every time a musician plays, it's an act of faith. Will it be music or will it be noise? I found Ron later.
2: I just sort of feel like, you know, how the coach would feel if he says, okay, get out there, you guys, and you've been practicing this, and now we're we're gonna go for victory, you know? And it's like, somebody wasn't trying very hard. And not only trying very hard, but it's just like, take me out, you know? And this dismayed me. And then I went away. Well, those Mongolians kicked our ass. Tonight.
9: Gail Steiger caught the whole thing on videotape.
12: I don't
2: believe music is a competitive sport, but, but if it would have been, if it would have been, yeah, we we were
12: we were toast. We were dust.
9: It's time to pack up the instruments. But there's something going on over in the corner. Montana rancher and musician Stephanie Davis is learning that beautiful tune from the horn player.
12: Suddenly they became people. They went from being exotic foreigners to fellow musicians and brothers and sisters. it just blew my hair back. It just makes me see how narrow my focus has been. Probably most Americans, there's a big old world out here of great music. (laughs)
9: <laughs> Generally, these
5: guys are trained to be mild.
9: The next morning, it's time to switch from seatbelts to saddles. But first, a lesson on riding these sturdy little Mongolian horses.
4: And to, to go, you say, chew, chew. That's like, that's like giddy up. So you'll hear him doing it a lot. <laughs> bye-bye. Thank you, that was superb.
9: Five days on horseback, riding and camping, looms before us. But that doesn't seem to matter. Distance is now measured by the next hill to cross and time by the slant of the autumn sun.
1: This is a dream come true. It's like it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs>
2: I saw cattle, I saw yaks, I saw camels for the first time, goats, sheep, and the no fences is amazing, kind of a cowboy fantasy.
8: We were almost a couple of horses short this morning because in the night rustlers came in and boosted two of our ponies.
7: It's called gingo and uh, it's performed by the um, riders, all kids from age six to eleven. And so, while they're warming up the horses, they do this encouraging or inspiring song for the horses.
12: We're looking at heaven, is what my idea of heaven anyway. We're looking at these beautiful hills of many colors and herd after herd of horses.
4: Come and get it! Dinner's on the table! Don't be shy!
9: We're being spoiled, enjoying fresh vegetables, a rarity out here. And our hosts are going easy on such Mongolian favorites as fermented mare's milk and unidentified mutton parts. We settle into an easy, good-natured relationship with our hosts, the horses, and the landscape. The music is turned from performance to something more akin to conversation. And it's not just the music that's different. There's something different about the way it's used, like the kids singing to their horses before the race. The early morning sun catches an old woman's red silk robe as she melts a black shaggy yak in a field nearby. The milk pulses into her pail like a drum.
7: This is the sound when the mother yak needs to um, feed the baby one and just to give them more love, and yeah, it's like a a lullaby song for the
2: animals.
7: She sang after she sang. Now it's going really well. You can hear the sounds.
9: It finally dawns on me. Music here is inseparable from life. The song simply relaxes the yak, so she'll let her milk down. There's no performance in the singing. Its purpose is specific. I find myself longing for a musical language that's been lost to most of us. It's the last night on the step, and the days in the saddle are almost over. And the cowboy musicians are determined to make music serve yet another purpose. Would you be my friend? And I'll be you.
8: Ride around. As long as we Help me out with this. Let's have a verse. My little Guys, verse goes, goes
9: like this. Soon the group will make the arduous drive back to Ulaanbaatar, so where the Cowboys will give a farewell concert at the capital's newest night spot, the Genghis Khan so Irish Pub. Tonight at camp, they decide it's time to make a new song.
12: Well, let's do it, and then let's do it at our big show, you know. <laughs> Can I, I want to throw in my, may your horses never fall and may your grass always grow tall. Oh, that, is, that, is that okay? No, and then they
9: decide it. this song of okay. friendship should be sung Sorry. both in English and Mongolian.
12: So here's what we got so far and you can correct me. I, I need, a, I need a paper and pen. As
9: okay, if on cue, Biyamba here. shows up just in time for the brainstorm.
6: Maybe, and then Mongolian version for uh, friendship thing can be, Minyanets <laughs> There you,
9: you go, there you go. There you
4: go.
8: Yeah! He's gonna have to sing it with us too. Are you gonna be?
9: It seems so right? effortless for him to switch back and forth, not only in language but in culture. And it makes me wonder what this exchange has been like for the Mongolians. One of our horse guides, Saye, has won our hearts with his boisterous songs and antics. Like the time he squatted under a horse and tried to pick it up on his back. He invites me into his gear out of the chilly morning breeze. 2 years ago, Saye met many of us when he was part of a group that visited Nevada. I ask him about this reunion, this time on his native soil. He answers with a smile. I smile back and wonder what he's saying. Then there's a small change in his voice. His eyes well up and his lips quiver in the dim light. I don't need to wait for the translation to know that in this very foreign place we have made a very dear friend.
1: Sagebrush to Step was produced by Hal Cannon and Taki Telenitis of the Western Folklife Center in Utah. Whether you live in Outer Mongolia or here in Chicago, you can follow what we're doing on Facebook. Look for Third Coast International Audio Festival and become a fan. before we go, we just want to play one more thing for you. A few years ago, our friend and colleague Gregory Warner traveled to Afghanistan as a reporter. Not speaking the language, he decided to bring his accordion as a means to connect with people through music. Then one night, he got the chance to do just that. I'll let Gregory tell you the rest.
12: This all took place in a, in a town in, in the north of Afghanistan called Mazar-i-Sharif. I, the reason I was in that particular city was I was going to do a piece for All Things Considered, actually, about this music festival uh, that was a pretty big deal at the time because it was, I think, and the details are a little hazy, but I think it was the first time since uh, all the wars that musicians from all over the country had gotten together in one place to play music together. mazar sharif is far from Kabul. It's a city, but it's a small city. There was no English spoken people were um, pretty much all dressed in Afghan traditional clothing. Uh, definitely there to hear Afghan traditional music that they had uh, grown up with and which had been banned by the Taliban so that they hadn't heard on the radio for for, for all those years. Completely, unexpectedly, when I was talking to the to the music organizer, Um, he said, well, what's that in your back? I I said, well, oh yeah, I brought my accordion. And within minutes he had, um, I mean, practically kicked off the band that was currently playing, uh, just like sent them off. And, and he said, come on, you're our guest, play us a song. And, um, everybody was like turning their heads to look at me because I had been sort of, you know, not undercover, but, um, I'd been sort of the reporter, you know, in the background um, kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, everybody's looking at me.
4: I fell for you
12: like a child The if I were wild I fell into a burn favorite kind of part of the whole thing was was at the end i threw my hat into the crowd and um people were just screaming and one guy kind of reached out and grabbed it you know and then he actually came up to me afterward and asked me to sign the hat which i was like yeah definitely i thought that was great
1: That was Gregory Warner singing Johnny Cash. Gregory is now NPR's East Africa correspondent.
7: Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of
1: fire. ReSound is a production of the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Katie Mingle and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear hundreds of outstanding documentaries from around the world. And subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Emma a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. Support also comes from Frank Lloyd Wright's Unity Temple Restoration Foundation, presenting Roman Mars of 99% Invisible Thursday, April 18th at Unity Temple in Oak Park. For details, visit utrf.org. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation and the Menaki Foundation. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival was founded in 2000 by WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. You can also connect with us through Facebook and Twitter. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.
7: It burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire